0: Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Bible Baptist Church Online. We're so excited that you decided to join us. And honestly, I hope today will be a help to you in something that you can take and use in your life. And I hope it will be a blessing to you if you've this is your first time. There's a link in the description, and you can just go ahead and click that and connect with us. And we just want to connect with you, help you in any way that we can. And again, that's the goal of today is hopefully just to help a little bit uh, to apply the Bible to our lives. So Luke chapter 10 is where we're going to be. Luke chapter 10, we're going to continue the series on the master's class and uh, looking at Jesus and how he dealt with people. And today we're going to be uh, looking at the story of Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha, before we begin, let's have a quick word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for this day, for all that you've done for us. Father, we love you so much. We're so thankful for the opportunity that you've given us to be in church this morning and to spend time with you. I pray that today would be a, a, a difference maker in our lives and father that would be something that we could use moving forward father help us as we continually sit at your feet help us to have uh, the strength to continue to move on and father I pray that your will is accomplished today and we pray all these things in jesus name amen i want you to picture something with me this morning if you were sitting at a table a coffee table or something like that and you're sitting across from somebody that you trust implicitly i mean you trust this person with your life and you're sitting there drinking coffee tea hot chocolate whatever you drink and you're spending that time with them and you're talking and this person's pretty smart and pretty in tune and they they can see something that there's something inside of you that's just troubling you and they lean over to you and just kind of hushed tones and they just say hey is there anything wrong and most of us, if we're, if we're honest, the first answer out of our mouths is, no, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with us. But again, as I said, you, you, first of all, you trust this person. Second of all, this person's uh, emotionally intelligent. And so they begin to reach in a little bit further and say, no, seriously, I can tell that there's something deep inside your soul that's just wrong. There's something that's just eating you up. What would you say to them? What would you say to them? well, hopefully most of us would at that point begin cracking, right? And allowing what is going on inside of us to come out. Because the reality is most of us have something, something that's eating us, something that's troubling us, something that is a weight. And so you begin telling this person, and again, this person's trustworthy. You begin telling them and they're just listening. They're just listening and they're grasping all this in and you're just able to relieve your heart of the problems that you've had maybe for years and so you finish and you feel a little bit better like the burden's been lifted off just a little bit and they lean in again and they ask you one other question they ask you how are you doing with that not hey is that making you feel good and you might think well that's dumb i just told you how i'm doing with it But in reality, the question is this, are you winning or losing? Are you winning or losing? I think the reality is that most of us are really losing in these battles. Most of us are not overcoming the problems of our lives. We're losing the battles. And so we understand that so many times in our lives we have something going on But we don't know who to tell, first of all. Second of all, we don't know where to go. Third of all, we don't know if we're winning or losing. We just feel weight hanging on. But the Bible gives us wonderful ways to help us through the storms of this life. You see, the Bible, specifically the New Testament, is full of the teachings of Jesus Christ. And again, Jesus lived for 33 years and for three and a half years. He spent time with his followers. We called them his disciples. And he spent his time with his disciples and the majority of the time that he spent with his disciples, he taught them lessons. He just began to teach them. He taught them great lessons. Taught them lessons on faith. He taught them lessons on forgiveness. He taught them lessons on mercy. He taught them lessons on grace. He taught them lessons on love. He taught them lessons on prayer. Listen, he basically taught them lessons on just about every aspect of life. And Jesus We believe that Jesus was the Son of God. We believe that he created us. And that he has designed a specific and most fulfilling way to live our lives. He knows exactly what is the most fulfilling way to live our lives. And so Jesus often taught lessons describing the best way to handle certain things. The best way to love. The best way to forgive. The best way to have faith. the best All these different things. Jesus often taught lessons by telling a story. Again, we would call those parables. He would tell a story and have a lesson attached to that. Other ways Jesus would tell a story, it would be very simply just something going on in the moment, and he would use that as a teaching opportunity. And so here we see Jesus doing exactly that. In Luke chapter 10, if you've not turned there yet, Luke chapter 10, we find Jesus taking circumstances that are going on Right now, and he uses those as teaching opportunities. Luke chapter 10, look with me in verse 38. Luke chapter 10 and verse 38, the Bible says this. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered in a into a certain city, a certain village, excuse me, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Now I just want you to stop there just for a second. He enters in, he Jesus, enters into a certain village. We find out later in John chapter 11 that this village is most likely the village of Bethany, found in John chapter 11. It is here in verse 38 that we are first introduced to Martha. Martha is an extremely hospitable lady. Notice again with me at the end of this verse, Martha received him into her house. So, Jesus is traveling on a journey with he and his disciples. We understand that Bethany is uh, about three kilometers away from Jerusalem. And so he's traveling and Martha receives him into her home and says, listen, come. I want to spend some time with you. I'll make a meal for you. I'll prepare everything for you. And so Martha is this wonderful person, very hospitable. Martha was the one prepping all the food. I'm sure up till this point, she was peeling potatoes all day. Her, her uh, tears were probably running down her face from all of the onions that she cut up that day. Her arms were probably tired from kneading the dough and making the butter. You know, he had to make butter back then. She was doing everything. She wanted everything just to be perfect for Jesus was coming to her house. I mean, Jesus was probably one of the most famous people of all time during this time. He was performing miracles. He was doing amazing things. And this, Jesus is coming to the house. So Martha was in charge. It was her house. She was the hostess. She was having Jesus come to her house. And she wanted everything to be just right. I remember the first time that my mom came to our house after we got married. My wife, Beth, was frantic. She wanted everything to be spotless. She wanted the meal to be just right. And I remember just thinking, hey, listen, it's just my mom. But to her, and most of you ladies would know this, to her, that was the greatest person in the world. She wanted to impress her mother-in-law. Listen, all of us have been in situations like this where we desperately want to have everything look good, perfect, pure, spotless. Look at Luke chapter 10 and verse 39. And she, being Martha, had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. So here we're introduced to Mary. Mary is the sister of Martha. Now I want you to notice where we find Mary. This is key to the entire passage. Where do we find Mary? Look again in verse 39. The Bible says, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. So Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. She's not helping in the preparation. She's not working. She's simply sitting. So hopefully already you can see the contrast. We have one who's serving and one who's sitting. Martha is serving. Mary is sitting. So here's your super marriage tip for today, okay? Men, if you are sitting at home on the couch, your feet are up. And your wife is running around. She's doing the dishes. She's getting dinner ready. She's sweeping up the floor. The kids are whining. The laundry needs to be put over from the washer to the dryer. Everything's going on. And you are sitting there on your phone watching a video with your feet up, completely ignoring your wife. Good for you. Right? Not one of us would say good for you, right? Not one of us would say that. All of us would say, get up, dude, and help your wife. This is the same kind of situation we find Mary and Martha in. Mary's sitting, listening to Jesus teach, and Martha is running around. No doubt, Martha would come out and ask anybody if they wanted anything to drink. Can I get you anything? And while she's there, she's like, Mary, Mary, come on. I need help, right? And Mary's not even paying attention. Could not care less that Martha is serving. This is what we see, a wonderful sibling rivalry. The anger is overwhelming. Now look at verse 40 with me. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him being Jesus and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. So obviously the death glares were not working and so Martha had to do something greater. But I want you to notice with me the first couple words of this verse. But Martha was cumbered about much serving. I want you to notice that word, cumbered. Martha was cumbered. Cumbered literally means to drag around. If you can think about it, it was cumbersome, it was heavy. It was burdensome. This meal, this preparation was very heavy for her. It was burdensome to her. She was uh, uh, really carrying this thing around and dragging it. It was so heavy that it was even distracting her. The fact of the matter is, and Martha cared about this thing deeply. She wanted it to be just right. She cared about it so deeply that it was distracting her. It should be said here that there's no evidence that Martha was a worldly, evil person. No evidence whatsoever. This was what she decided that she should do, and she was fully, she had good intentions. Intentions were just to serve Jesus and, 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 and make everything just right for who Jesus was. So she was trying to serve him. She was trying to serve his disciples. If you will, basically she was just trying to be a blessing but what happened was this blessing distracted her. This blessing, if you will, overwhelmed her, and it was an extremely heavy thing for her to bear. Now, for honest, this story's already poking its fingers into our business. This story is already getting into things that maybe we don't want to have in our lives. And here's the reality I believe this, I have no doubt that there are some people that are listening to this today that are extremely burdened down with something that to them is very important you're extremely burdened down with something that is extremely important maybe you're burdened down with covid things that are going on in the world right now and that just weighs you down maybe it's a business thing that is you know covid has really hurt your business maybe covid has really hurt your relationships Maybe you're having some financial difficulty. Maybe you're burdened down with a relationship problem. Maybe you're burdened down with the news of now over 1,300 unmarked graves found. Listen, that's, that's a heavy, heavy thing. Maybe you're burdened down with pain from your past. Maybe your mom mistreated you. Maybe your dad abandoned you. Maybe you've been hurt by a church. Maybe you've been hurt by someone in the church. Maybe you've been hurt by a pastor. It feels like it's getting heavy. It feels like it's cumbersome. In fact, it's it's so cumbersome it's getting distracting. You can't go a day without thinking about it. You can't go a day without that pain rising up again. You feel this great deal of pain, and honestly, it's just something that you feel like has been stripped away from you, something that you didn't choose, something that you didn't want in your life whatsoever, but nonetheless, here it is. You didn't choose necessarily for any of this to happen. I have no doubt in my mind that Martha did not choose for this to be a cumbersome task. In her mind, she was excited about what it was. Jesus is coming and I just want to serve him. And it's going to be a wonderful time. And it has turned into this evil thing. You've had something that you wanted to give that's been stripped away from you. And you try to replace it. You try to bring it in, but you just can't replace it. You didn't choose it to happen to you. But honestly, it's coming to a point where you just don't know if you can handle it anymore. You don't know if you can bear that burden anymore. It's so painful. It hurts. You're struggling. In fact, a lot of times what we do in these situations, we act like Martha. We try to cover up the pain. What do we do to try to cover up the pain? We try to bury ourselves in our work. We try to work harder. No doubt Martha's out in the kitchen clanging pans, beating things up just to make it sound like something's going on in there so that somebody will come check on her. She's wiping sweat off her brow every time she comes out. Listen, she's working harder because the harder she works, the less it hurts, right? No, the reality is no. We try to do that. We try to work harder. We try to work harder to please a person. Again, no doubt Martha's there trying to please Jesus Christ. We work harder to get them to try to like us more. Maybe even the person that hurt us. Maybe in the person, our our father who abandoned us. We try to work hard. So that he'll notice us. Listen, we all do these things. We work harder to replace what has been taken from us. And in this story, Martha is serving. Martha is serving and she's working hard to please Jesus. So you might ask, is this the wrong reaction? Well, not at all. It's quite natural to work hard to please someone. But again, it just becomes so burdensome. So burdensome. Let me ask you this question. What happens when things get heavy for you? What happens when things get so heavy that you can't seem to handle them anymore? Well, typically what I believe happens is we typically start to blame somebody for all our problems. We typically start to blame someone for all our problems. In this story, this burden becomes so much to Martha that the first thing she begins to do is she immediately begins to lay blame All of us are really good at laying blame, aren't we? My children are amazing at it. Hey, who knocked over that plant? It was Maya. No, it wasn't. It was Caleb. No, 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 it wasn't me. It was Zoe. And every one of the children have now been blamed for one thing being knocked over. And we still can't get to the bottom of who knocked the plant over. It's not even a big deal. It's who knocked the plant over. We all like to lay blame. We all do it. Every one of us. Notice the first person that Martha begins to blame. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him being Jesus and said, watch, Lord, dost thou not care? Lord, dost thou not care? It seems like she's starting to drag Jesus into this thing. It's almost as if she's blaming Jesus for teaching. Jesus, you're being a distraction. You're teaching. Will you please tell Mary to come help me? Dost thou not care? She, it's almost as if she's blaming Jesus and holding Jesus responsible for being interesting. Jesus, why are you so interesting that you're distracting my sister and pulling her away from the work that needs to be done? Notice, she also assumes that Jesus doesn't care. And maybe, maybe this is just a play on words and she knows that Jesus cares. But yet she asks the question anywhere, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone. Let me ask you a question. Does Jesus care? Does Jesus care about your problem? Does Jesus care about what's burdening you down? Well, depending on your background and depending on your circumstance, you just might think that Jesus does not care. You've begged him, you've come to him and said, God, will you take this burden away from me and he has not done so. And so you begin asking yourself the question, does he actually care? You might think this, if God were real, he wouldn't have let this happen to me. If God were real, he wouldn't have let this happen to me. And no doubt, Martha is thinking something similar to this. not necessarily, is he really sitting right there? But she's thinking, Jesus, you don't care that I'm the only one working right now. I'm the only one trying to make this the best afternoon possible. Jesus, do you care? And Maybe you've asked yourself this question before. Does Jesus care? But not only did she drag Jesus into this, she started to blame Mary as well. Mary hath left me to serve alone. Notice, Lord, does I not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Hey, I'm the one serving here. She left me. Obviously, Mary had already done some work. But she's left me now, and you don't care. So I'm now left alone. She's abandoned me, and I am left alone. If I can boil this down to one sentence, I would boil it down to this. I am overwhelmed because Mary left me, and now Jesus doesn't care. I am burdened down because Mary left me, and Jesus doesn't care. So let's bring this into our lives. Listen, my dad left us when I was a kid, and now Jesus doesn't even care about that. The church betrayed me, and Jesus doesn't even do anything about it. That church is still going on. COVID has hit us all, and Jesus didn't do anything about it. Where was Jesus for all the victims? Of those residential schools. so we begin asking ourselves these questions. Where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? Why isn't he taking the thing away from me? I feel like I've had something stripped away. I feel like I've been given something that I don't deserve. I've been given something that I never chose. And it's getting heavy. I will give credit to Martha for one thing. She goes to Jesus with her problem. She goes to Jesus With her problem, notice again, Martha was cumbered, much serving, and came to him. Came to Jesus. And she asked him to tell Mary to come help her. Look at Jesus' answer, though. Luke chapter 10, and verse 41. The Bible says this, And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from. Now, did you notice that Jesus didn't say, suck it up, buttercup. Like, come on, just get the meal going. Like, knock it off. Just get going. No, he didn't answer that way. But notice also, he didn't say, Mary, come on, get up, let's go. You need to help your sister. He didn't answer either way. Most of us have a certain expectation of how we want Jesus to answer. We're expecting him to give us some some preconceived notion as to how he's going to take care of our problem. If I can be open a little bit with you beth and i were going through a little bit of a marriage difficulty if you will and honest if i can just be honest it was driving me absolutely insane it was driving me nuts because it was all her fault completely and utterly now obviously i'm joking okay right but in my mind everything was her fault and so what did i do i went to jesus I went to Jesus, I went to God, and I said, God, you better do something about this wife of mine. It's her fault. Guess what? It wasn't her at all. It was me. It was me, it was I who had the problem. You see, Jesus often has a way of peering into our soul and pointing out something that we never truly understood before. That we've never really seen before. Jesus here is pointing out that Mer- Martha, excuse me, is being distracted by all the things that are going on, even worthwhile things, important things. But notice, he says, there is one thing that is needful. Notice again, verse 20, 42, excuse me, but one thing is needful. Jesus is not dismissing Martha and saying, you're no good. You you don't have any problems. He's not dismissing her. He, in fact, is not even degrading her feelings. Martha, why are you feeling like that? Knock it off. He's not doing that. Notice he is rather redirecting her feelings. Let me say that again. Jesus is not degrading her feelings. He's redirecting them. Watch now. I want you to notice two words in verse 41. Jesus says, thou art careful and troubled. Careful and troubled. Careful is internal. You're careful inside. He is pointing out her feelings. He's saying, listen, I see that your feelings are hurt. I see that you're careful about many things. Listen. And he also says, and you're troubled these are the outward, the external feelings. So he's not only pointing out her feelings, he's pointing out her actions. By the way, your, a- your feelings, excuse me, determine your actions. Your feelings determine your actions. What is going on inside is going to come out. And so you might be hurting about something that happened to you in the past, and now you're taking that out on your spouse. You might be hurting about something that happened to you as a child and now you're taking it out on your children. You might be hurting about something that happened in the past and you're, it's affecting your work. It's affecting your relationships. Listen, you are careful, internal, and you are troubled about many things. You can't stop thinking about it and so it affects certain things. I'll be honest with you, when I get to this point, I feel really low. Because I realize that everything is connected. Notice he says, thou art careful and troubled about many things. Many things. Listen, when I get to this point, again, when I was in this situation, when I was in the situation of having struggles with my wife, guess what? It affected my children. I treated my children differently. It affected my work. It affected my other relationships. Listen, it just affects you. It affects my sleep. It begins to affect, and so now I'm frustrated because, oh, man, I'm treating my children like garbage, and I'm tr- I'm not treating people properly, and and my work is suffering, and I begin to feel terrible. All right, I got to do something about this, and so you try harder, and you try harder, and you do this, and you do that, and listen, the whole reality is you still have not fix the first problem. So you might ask yourself the question, all right, what am I supposed to do? Again, look at verse forty-one and forty-two. Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away. I want you to notice that Mary has chosen the good part. Mary has chosen the good part. Very simply, come sit at Jesus' She was sitting at Jesus' feet. She was not serving. And so God, Jesus, says, listen, Mary had chosen the good part. She's sitting at my feet. And so when I'm burdened down with something, what's the point of this whole passage? Listen, come sit at Jesus' feet. Come sit with him. Come spend time with him. You say, well, that seems ridiculous. I'm going to be honest with you. This is not an easy thing to do. Sitting at Jesus' feet is not an easy thing to do. The commentator David Guzik said this. To sit at the feet of Jesus implies readiness to accept and obey what Jesus teaches. It implies a readiness to accept and obey what Jesus teaches. I'm going to push my burden aside and I'm going to come to Jesus and accept what he's going to say. I'm going to obey what he says. To sit at the feet of Jesus implies submission to Jesus. Rebellion is done. To sit at the feet of Jesus implies faith in who Jesus is. To sit at the feet of Jesus implies discipleship. To sit at the feet of Jesus implies love. I love him. I can't, I can't get along in this life without him. I can't handle this burden that is welling up inside of me. I can't handle it anymore. And so what do I do? I have to come sit at the feet of Jesus and submit to him saying, I can't handle this anymore. There's no way I can do it. I need some help and sit at the feet of Jesus. Matthew chapter 11. Probably one of my favorite passages. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. Jesus speaking almost directly to this situation. Now, it's completely separate. But these verses are so, so incredible. Listen to them. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Listen. And I will give you rest. Verse 29 says, take my yoke upon you. And learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. He says, come, sit at my feet, learn of me. I am meek and lowly in heart. Listen, and ye shall find rest unto your, what? Your souls. He doesn't say you'll find rest to your body. You don't find physical rest. You'll find spiritual rest. You'll find your soul at rest. Listen, verse 30. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen to this. If you're, again, if you're in the habit of writing things down, write this down. Jesus doesn't need you to work for him. He wants to perform a work in you. Jesus doesn't need you to work for him. He wants to perform a work in you. So many times we think, man, if I just work harder, God will be more pleased with me. I'll just get this filth, this heavy burden if I just work harder. No, no, no. Jesus doesn't want you to work for him. He wants to do a work in you. He wants to do something inside of you. And the only way that he can do something inside of you is for you to come sit at his feet. Mary learns that at this place, at the feet of Jesus, there is great strength. Mary learns that at the feet of Jesus, there is great peace. We find out later in the book of John that when her brother Lazarus dies, we find Mary kneeling at the feet of Jesus. And basically just saying, my brother is dead, had you have been here earlier, he would still be alive. Runs to Jesus, kneels at his feet. When Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross, we believe that Mary is the one who sits at Jesus' feet and anoints his feet with oil. With an alabaster box. With an ointment and wipes her feet with her hair. Listen, Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross, and there is Mary finding so much strength, finding so much peace at the feet of Jesus. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, said this, sitting at the feet of Jesus means peace. For those who submit to find, find peace through his precious blood, It means holiness for those who learn of Jesus, learn no sin. Because there's no sin in Jesus, but are instructed in things lovely and of good report. It means strength. For they that sit with Jesus and feed upon him are girded with his strength. The joy of the Lord is their strength. It means wisdom. For they that learn of the Son of God understand more than the ancients. Why? Because they keep his statutes. It means zeal. For the love of Christ fires hearts that live upon him. And they that are much with Jesus become like Jesus. So that the zeal of the Lord's house eats them up. They can't handle They have to do something for him. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Again, if you're in the habit of writing things down, write this down. Sitting at the feet of Jesus releases the burden and allows rest solely upon him. Let me say that again. Sitting at the feet of Jesus releases the burden. It gives it to him. It casts our care upon him for he careth for us. It releases the burden and allows rest solely in him. Oh, let me be clear. That burden doesn't necessarily disappear. That problem doesn't necessarily just all of a sudden vanish away. But I want you to understand this. We, when we give our burdens to God, guess what? He carries them for us and with us. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. We're yoked up with God. We're in a plowing instrument with God, not by ourselves anymore. Sitting at the feet of Jesus fills the void that can never be taken away. I want you to notice one more phrase Here in verse 42. I want you to notice verse 42. But one thing is needful. And Mary hath. Here it is. Chosen. Chosen. I want you to understand that this is a conscious choice. You have to consciously leave your work. And lay your burden down. And come sit at the feet of Jesus. You have to consciously do that. Listen to me. Something happened to you. That you did not choose. Something happened to you. Something came into your life that you did not choose. Something was taken away from you. That you didn't choose to have taken away. But let me, let me encourage you this morning. Let me lift you up. Let me, let me help you just a little bit. Listen, but now you get to choose. You get to choose what you do with it. You get to choose what you do with that burden. Let me ask you, are you going to choose to carry that burden or are you going to give it to Jesus? Are you going to sit at his feet? Are you going to submit to him? You say, Pastor I still don't understand. How do I do this? How do I sit at Jesus' feet? Obviously, Jesus is not a physical person anymore. He was. The Bible says that after he died, he rose again. And now he sits at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. So Jesus is no longer here on this earth. How do I sit at the feet of Jesus? Let me just give it to you simply and plainly. Get yourself under the teaching of Jesus Christ. Get yourself under the teaching of Jesus Christ. What does Jesus say about love? What does Jesus say about comfort? What does Jesus say about my past? What does Jesus uh, say about my marriage? What does Jesus say about my finances? What does Jesus say? How does Jesus define me? What does Jesus teach about my parents? What does Jesus teach about forgiveness? What does Jesus teach about life after death? What does Jesus teach about being born again? Listen, we're going to talk about life after death. We're going to talk about being born again all next week. I want to encourage you to come back and listen to that message. What does Jesus say about making it to heaven? Very simply, we need to get ourselves under the teaching of Jesus Christ. Start doing the things that He describes, start doing it in the way that He describes them to be done, and just simply rest in Him. Because let's face it, let's be honest with ourselves this morning. We are too weak to handle this burden on our own. Again, most of us are not winning at these burdens. We're not overcoming them. We're failing. We're too weak. We cannot actually overcome these burdens on our own. And so simply get yourself under the teaching of Jesus Christ. And guess what will happen? You will get, begin to see victories. victories. Over your burdens. Again, your burden doesn't necessarily just go away. But you'll see victories. You'll start to see great gains. If you will. If if you are going to sit at the feet of Jesus. You will learn of him. You will learn how to live your life. The way that it was designed. To live. So can I simply encourage you this morning. Come. To Jesus. If you're saved, you already know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, come to Jesus. Spend time at his feet. If you don't know Jesus Christ yet, can I just encourage you? Come to Jesus. Come to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day for all that you've done for us. Father, I pray for the one person that's sitting out there this morning that does not know you as personal Savior, doesn't know who you are. Father, I pray that today they would just simply come. They have a burden of sin that's hanging on to them. I pray that they would come. Father, for the other who's just been weighed down, circumstances of this life, things going on in this life, Father, they're weighed down. Father, would you please help them to come? Pray for those that are struggling with things that they never chose. Father, help them to come. Sit at your feet. and Father, I pray that your will would be accomplished here today, and we pray all these things in your name. I'm gonna ask you to just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Just listen to me just for a second. Today you might be sitting there thinking, listen, I'm struggling. I'm hurting. And I just need to come to Jesus. I don't know where to start. Maybe you're just you're just ready just to start a conversation. I want you just to just drop in the comments. I want to start a conversation. Or if, you're, if you want to be a little bit more private, listen, there's a link in the description. Just click on that. It's just a connect card. In the comments, just say, I want to start a conversation. Maybe you don't even know who Jesus Christ is, but you want to know him. Listen, I just want to start a conversation. Just let us know. We want to help you. We want to pull you closer to Jesus. We don't Listen, I'll be honest, very honest. We do not want you to want to pull you closer to our church necessarily. I don't want you to don't pull you closer to me as a person. I want to pull you closer to Jesus Christ. I want him to be your guide. And so we're going to take just a moment, and I want you to take just some time this morning to sit at the feet of Jesus. We're going to give you just a minute to do that. just sit at the feet of Jesus and tell him all your burden. Let's do it right now.